This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Stand with me please for the reading of God's Word. It's in Judges chapter 6. We're going to read a little more scripture than we normally read. And when... When we see on the screen, if you're watching the screen, when you see letters that are colored in yellow, I want you to read those out loud with me. So watch as we go. Let's begin with verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from the Midians, Amalekite, and the people of the east would attack, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goat, cattle, and donkeys. These evil, these enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So what's happening here is these enemies are coming in and they're literally taking all the crops. They're taking all the, the work, all the fruit that the people have been laboring for, for the, the harvest season. They're stealing the harvest. Verse 6, so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. And the Israelites cried out to the Lord with help, for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to Israelites. And he said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery. I rescued you from the Egyptians, all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. You're in the shape that you're in because you were disobedient. To me, Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, belonging to Joash of the clan of Abizar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing, threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So he's in hiding. He's working, but he's hiding. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Notice verse 16. It's one of my favorites. You almost feel like Gideon doesn't even look up. He's just working, going, Well, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles of our, that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength that you have. Rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Verse 15, But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. In other words, I'm at the end of the line. I'm the last guy you come to. You're going to pass all these other people before you get to me. Verse 16, let's read it out together. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. You may be seated. 
Now, Pastor Naomi mentioned Gideon a little bit in her message a few weeks ago, but I wanted to circle back because I think Gideon encapsulates everything that we are trying to say about this message series. The times in which Gideon lived, the, the neighborhood was poor. We've, we've talked about that. Constant harassment and intimidation by the Midianites. They would come into the planted fields, they would take all the food, and they would strip the land. And then what would happen is the people would run into the mountains and they would hide in fear. It was a terrible time in which they were living. Despair and fear was marking the people. And then this angel shows up from the passage where Gideon is threshing wheat and God says to him, you're going to make a difference with your life. Your life is going to make a difference in this dilemma in which you live. And, and, and a part of us would want to say that Gideon was like, yes! But he didn't. And I'll tell you why he didn't. Because he had given in to the cynicism of the day. He allowed the things around him to wear him down. The hardness of life, the difficulty of the circumstances, the trauma and the difficulty that he encountered had kicked in. And he says to God, if you are with us, why are we having such a hard time? We've lost everything. Does that sound familiar? Because I think that's what we do sometimes. It's easy to lose hope. It's easy to lose your fight. In fact, I was praying last night about some of you and saying, God, put a fire in their belly again. Because there was a time when you had great hope. There was a time when you believed the best. There was a time when you believed that God could do anything but the circumstances of life, the difficulty of life has caused you to lose your hope and your, your, your cynicism now has given you the attitude like, we've done that. We've done that. We're, we, you know, I'm past that now. I used to believe, but I don't believe anymore. And I think what God wants to do for this church, I think what God wants to do for some of you is He wants to light a fresh fire in your spirit and give you a fresh understanding that this is the day in which God is raising us up to make a difference with our life. You see, what we don't always understand is that there are things that are going on in the spiritual that we don't see. If all you see is what's happening around you, you're missing the best part of the story because what you see is not actually what God is doing. It's just what you see. There is a God who has a plan. There is a God who is bigger than the circumstance and He wants your life to make a difference. But you have to get beyond the cynicism. You have to quit letting people talk you out of what God is trying to do. You have to quit letting your fear and your apprehension take you away from the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly more than you ask or think. I feel the holy presence of God in this house. God is talking to somebody in this place today. 
And if you just lean in, I feel like God is trying to do something for you today. In our staff meeting Thursday night, I had given our staff the assignment that they should, they should start reflecting and praying about what God, what they wanted God to do in their circle of ministry influence in 2022. And we had worked that whole evening for hours on logistics and semantics and stuff. And then we got to that point and there was a holiness that fell in that little room. Because when you start seeing God for what He really can do and you start trusting God for impossible things. You know, I, I, won't, I, I, won't, uh, I won't belie what was said there because that's not important to what I'm saying. But I am telling you, God touching our staff members, asking God for things that are incredible that might blow your mind. But there is a God who is still blowing our minds. He's still doing what we think is absolutely beyond the realm of possibility. When did we stop trusting God? When did we quit believing that God was able? See, that's what's happening for Gideon and the nation. God has a plan and God places his hand on Gideon. And this journey through chapter 6 and 7 is about God raising the confidence of Gideon to believe again in the God who keeps every one of his promises. You may be watching me online right now and wondering why you're watching, but maybe God is just reminding you that He's never stopped who He has always been in your life. Even though you've been through some stuff, He still has you right where He wants you to be. I want you to see two things and then we're going to pray. Here's the first one. Gideon's got a perception problem. His obstacle is he's got a perception problem. You can read it in chapters 14, uh, verses 14 through 16, which we read. It is this distinction between the way that we see ourselves and our circumstances and how God sees them. You see, we lack confidence in our ability to do great things for God because of the way that we perceive ourselves. The truth of the matter is, you and I are too focused on our past mistakes and our present flaws in order that we are not able to see the bigger picture of what God sees. I was thinking about this a few weeks, a few days back. I wrote this in my notes because I didn't want to forget it. I think what some of us have adopted as our philosophy is that salvation has made us a better version of our old self. But that's not true. God did not save you to make you a better version of your old self because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You're a new person. You're not a better version of your old self. You are a new person fashioned and made. The old life is gone. Some of you sitting here today need to be reminded that you're not a better version of your old self. You are a new creation. You are a child of the living God today. In fact, I want you to say that. I am a child of God. Say it. 
Say it again. Come on, I can't hear you. That's who you are. You're not an ex-alcoholic. You're not an ex-drug addict. You're not a divorcee. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Your sins have been washed away. You have been made new in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God. I'm not an ex-anything. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old life has gone away and the new life has become. I am a child of God. But you see, like Gideon, But like Gideon, he considers himself to be the most unlikely of all people that God would ever choose. And that's the way you are. You look at the church and you look around and you go, well, I'm not like that guy. I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. I don't have the background. You know? You have a tendency sometimes to look and say, well, I, my parents weren't serving the Lord and I, I don't have a family background in faith. Well, so what? So what? I'm sorry that you didn't. I wish that you had what I had, but it doesn't change the fact that God uses you. That your life matters. That God wants to make your life to make a difference in this world. There are lots of people. Now listen, I'm going to say this a number of different ways, but there's a lot of people out there in the world just like you. And they're intimidated just like you are. And they need somebody in their life with a boldness and a confidence that says, your daddy may not have stayed around, your mother may not have been what she was supposed to be, but God can make you something for the glory of God. You may not have grown up in the environment that some did, but there is a, a place that God has for you. He's got a perception problem. Because he's looking at himself through his own eyes and instead of looking at himself through the eyes of God. And he looks at this world. And if you look at this world through the eyes that you have and your experiences, you'll get off track. You know, I think what happens sometimes is this, and I say this with compassion. That far too often we, we look at our lives through the wounds and the scars of what we've gone through. You ever watched a child? When a child is born, they don't have any fear. Well, my little grandson, Zeke, that'll be here this next week, he don't have no teeth in the front. You know why? Because he thought he could fly. It didn't make no difference how many times his mother said he couldn't. He believed he could fly. And he jumped off that couch and hit that table and knocked those two teeth out. And they are adorable. I hope they don't ever come back. 
but that's just me, you know. But you know what? There'll come a time if we're not careful that fear can dominate that kid's life and he won't ever think he can fly. You just know what I'm saying? Because of the experiences that we go through. The things that we've suffered, the, the hurts that we've had in our life, the things that people did to us, the things that were said, the hurts and the frustrations that we've experienced. And if we're not careful, we quit believing that God can take our life and bring it together for good and do things that are incredible for the kingdom of God. Well, we even say this sometimes. I'll just let somebody else do that. I've done that before. And here's what happens. Here's my fear that you're going to sit on the sidelines and the opportunities of the future are going to walk right past you. And you're going to look back at some point and wished that you would have taken the opportunity to step into that moment. Don't let yourself quit believing that God wants to do something in your life. You see, we have a tendency at times to want to look at stuff and say, well, you know, I don't have the talent that other people have. You know, there's no, there's no line in heaven for people with talent. I mean, the angels aren't organizing people saying, okay, those of you who can play instruments on this side, those of you that can sing. No, no, that's not the way heaven works. There's only one requirement. Faithfulness. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the few things. You've been faithful to do what I told you to do. You may not have the assignment that somebody else has. You may not have the responsibility of another. But if you are faithful to what God has asked you to do with your life, if you're faithful in the things that God is wanting you to do, then in the same way that any other person will be rewarded, you will get the same reward. You see, Gideon lost his confidence because he looked at himself through his own eyes. Notice what he said. He said, why? Why would you want me? I mean, you know, in the tribes of Israel, my tribe is the last tribe. And not only is it the last tribe, but I'm the last guy in the line of our tribe. I am the most unlikely of all people. Can I just say to you that those are the people God uses the most often. Because they don't steal the glory of God. They, they have a gratitude in their heart that says, I don't know how in the world I got here. I don't know how in the world God did this. I don't know why God chose me. But they give their heart because they believe that God has something He wants to do in their life. Second thing I want to say and then we'll, we're going to wrap up here is that Gideon had to struggle in learning how to follow God's plan and not his own. You see, if you're going to make a difference with your life, it has to be on God's terms. It can't be about you. It can't be about who you are or what you do. It has to be about what God is doing through you. And that's an important distinction. So when 
when Gideon's fear rises up in chapter 7, he says to the angel, he said, Lord, how can I rescue Israel? In other words, how can I make a difference in such a complex situation? How can I bring peace to a chaotic world? How can I demonstrate integrity when there is so much evil and, and deception in my job working space? How can I be a witness to people who seem to have no interest in God at all? And he becomes afraid. He becomes afraid of the assignment because he looks at that assignment through his own experiences and he fails to appreciate that this isn't about Gideon, it's about God. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. In fact, somehow you have to divorce yourself from your own ability and say, it's not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. This fear we're talking about is often common when we are dealing with situations of uncertainty and awkwardness. When we get into places that we're uncertain with. We become afraid. Fear is not a sin unless you start doubting God. Fear is very common. It's very human. And what does God say to him? He says, I'm going to be with you. I'm not asking you to go and do this by yourself. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be there with you. And he gives him that promise that you said with your own lips. You will destroy the Midianites as if you're just fighting one man. No matter how big their army is, it won't be enough. I'm telling you, you're going to be able to do this. So get to work, okay? So finally, after a long ordeal, Gideon is finally accepting. So he starts to put his team together. And the call goes out for anyone that's willing to fight. 33 men showed up. And when God said to Gideon, he said, you've got too many people. Now Gideon's probably going, no, I think I'm pretty good here. I, I feel pretty good about the numbers. And he said, no, you can't take 33,000. Because I know how people are. If they do it themselves, they'll think they did it. And that's not the point here. I'm trying to grow something. I'm trying to do something in your life. I'm trying to do something in this country. And I don't want them going out there in their own strength. You got too many people. All right, what do you want me to do? I want you to tell everybody that's afraid to go home. Okay, let's all come around. Appreciate the turnout. This is awesome. Appreciate all of you coming means a great deal to me. I really appreciate your response. Here's what I think the Lord wants. If you just are uncertain and you're kind of timid about this, you, really, you really didn't want to go, but you, your friends were coming, so if you're afraid, go home. 22,000 just start walking away. You don't think there was some relief in that crowd? I didn't want to come anyway. I'm telling you, I didn't really want to be here anyhow. Thank God I get to go home. Okay, we've got 10,000, God says. you still got too many people. See, he's testing Gideon. He's, he's shaping something in Gideon. Well, I had 33,000. Now I'm down to 10. You say, I got too many people. He said, no, if you take the 10,000, you're still going to take the credit for this because they're going to say it's the, the power of Gideon and all the people. No, I don't want that. 
When this is over, I want him to say, it was God. We could never have done that by ourselves. It was God. You see, that's where God's trying to put you. And you are resisting that. And you're, you're fighting against it because you want to be in a secure place. You want to have all the I's dotted. You want everything to be lined out so that you can have certainty because you're so uncomfortable with that unpredictability. You know, I'm married to a wonderful little gal. She's watching right now and she's very nervous about what I'm about to say right now. Shelly likes predictable. The words that frighten her the most is when I say, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, no, we won't. <laughs> we'll figure it out now. See, that's the way we do God. We want God to give us all the details and all the, you know, and then we'll think about it. You know, you show me where the, all the pieces are and then I, no, that's not what God says. God says, I need you to put your faith and trust in me. Let me just give you this because you'll need this. Maybe, maybe not today, but tomorrow you may need this. God's already got the plan before he started talking to you. He wasn't waiting to talk to you to come up with a plan. God's already got the plan. He may not tell you what the plan is. He may not lay it out for you in detail because he wants you to have confidence that he's got a plan and if God is with me and the Lord is leading, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But God said, you got too many, okay? Now what am I supposed to do? It's, it's very strange, isn't it? He said, take them down to the creek and let them lap water like a dog. And the ones that drink water like a dog will keep them. How'd you like to make that announcement? Okay, we're going to do one more thing here. I need all of you to bend over there and start drinking water out of that creek. My team will be watching and we'll let you know. Okay, you're good. You can go home. Now they're down to 300. God says, here we go. Because if you win the battle now, it won't be because of you. It'll be because of me. It'll be because of what I'm doing. So sometimes where you find yourself, the, the situations that you find yourself in, is simply God saying, I don't want you going out there in your own strength. Now, listen. It's important that we recognize that we must learn how to rely on God's plan. Not our own. And God's plan is not always going to be predictable. And we hate that about it. Because we need predictable. Because we live in a world of so much that is not predictable. I wish it were so. I wish I could lay out the next five years for you for your life. I wish I could tell you how your kids are going to turn out. I wish I could tell you what's going to happen with your marriage. You're just going to have to trust God. You're going to have to lean on the plan that God has. You're going to have to trust God to bring together everything that you need. And that when you are surrendered and obedient to God, and I know it's not going to make sense to your family, and I know it's not going to make sense to your friends, but when you decide that you're going to be faithful to God, you're going to be obedient to God, then God is going to take care of that situation. So let's finish. 
you and I have to start living like we believe every one of God's promises. The promises of God are that by His stripes we're healed. My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. And on and on and on it goes. We have to start believing again the promises of God. At this church, we have to quit looking at our past. We have to quit looking at our mistakes. And we have to start believing again in the God that called this church into existence and believe that the future is God's and that God has a plan for where we're going. And I just came to tell somebody, you're going to get through this. You're going to overcome it. Doesn't feel like it right now. Because you're in the midst of it and you've never been more miserable than you are right now. You've never had more heartache. You've never had more frustration. And you don't know how in the world. In fact, you just keep struggling to try to find something. But God is saying to me, I feel like the Lord has been telling me, He's going to put fresh hope into your heart. He's going to give you a fresh injection of of His glory and His power so that you can believe again in the God who has always been faithful to you. Your life is not about what you've done with your life. Your story is not about who you are. It is about who God is and what God has always done in your behalf. You cannot point me to a moment when God has not taken care of you. You cannot point me to a moment when God has left you by yourself. He may not have come when you thought. It may not have been the way that you thought it was going to be. But God supplied the need and God took care of your situation. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm done. Come on. I feel like telling somebody in this house today, God's got all the money. Look at your neighbor and tell them, God's got all the money. Amen. But the question is, can you trust God? And here's the other question. If God gives it to you, can he get it through you? If God gave you the money, what would you do with it? Would you be a blessing with it? Would you let it be something that would use your life for a blessing? Would you make a difference with your life? If God gave you health, if God raised you up and gave you health in your body, would you use it for His glory? God wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free. If God pulled you up out of that pit, don't you know He wants to do something with your life that will show the glory of God? Because there's a testimony in you. There's a testimony in you. You've been through some stuff. And because you've been through some stuff, you have a story to tell. You've got an opportunity to make a difference with your life. But you have to be sensitive to what God is doing around you. You can't just blow through life. You just can't get up every day and go about your... You've got to be sensitive that God, in fact, is working where you are. And you're meeting people for the right reasons. You're talking to people for the right reasons. You can't always predict how God's working. 
There's not a doubt in my mind. Deborah Douglas had a book fair in this building in September. And she invited me to be a part of it. And I came over here like all the others. Had my table over there with my books and tried to meet people. And I ran into a woman who had come for that book fair. Not a doubt in my mind God intended me for me, for me to meet this woman. And in the hallway there we began to chat. She's now in my grief share group. I talked to her on the phone last Sunday night when the session was over. And I told her, I was supposed to meet you. I was supposed to meet you. Because I've been where you are. I've walked where you've walked. I've felt what you're describing. And I'm telling you, you will overcome. You will get through it. And that's just me. But for some of you, you've got a story to tell. God didn't just save you so you could just come to church. He saved you so you could make a difference for your life. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.